2: You may have survived two weeks without us, but that third week, you probably would have cried yourself to sleep. So we're back and better than ever. I am Nathan Powell, and uh, I'm joined today by my good friend, Dan Senio. How did your, uh, your break uh, treat you, uh, Dan?
3: Um, well, you know, I, I would have preferred there not to be a break, but uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was different showing, uh, you know, having my Monday night or my Tuesday night and not being able to see your beautiful face. So it was kind of tough.
2: Well, it it was a two-week break, but actually for us, it was only a one-week break. Uh, For those that don't follow us on Twitter, if you don't, then why are you listening to us? But (laughs) for those that don't follow us on Twitter, uh, we tweeted out that our file got corrupt two weeks ago, where we recorded an hour-long show, and when uh, Dan clicked on the YouTube link, the hour-long show was one minute and 35 seconds. So all of our takes condensed into that. It was not a show worthy of being on Rotoviz Radio. So – Uh, We are here today, and uh, we're recording this on Monday night, which means that it it is, uh, as the world knows, uh, Scott Fishbowl Day. And so who else would join us on Scott Fishbowl Day other than our good friend, Scott Fish. How's it going tonight, Scott?
4: <laughs> I was wondering if you'd accidentally say Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> <If you'd say, laughs> our good friend, Scott Fishbowl. I mean, <laughs> it's, good. it's good. It's good to be here. I, I'm surprised that Dan said beautiful face. I, I think that there's a, a love fest going on here. That's interesting. <laughs> well, he,
3: he hides most of it with the beard, so I'm allowed to say it's beautiful for now.
2: Oh, there we go. Yeah, oh, I got the summer beard going, uh, teacher life for another month or so, so... All right, before we get into, uh, well, by the way, uh, this is something that you don't know, but the format of uh, today's show and our show over the next couple weeks is going to be, we're going to have a game of Target 1, Fade 1, where we'll go through NFL offenses. Uh, We're going to do one team from each division each week, so eight divisions, eight teams today, Target 1, Fade 1, and uh, so that should be exciting. Uh, We're going to start off with some exciting teams, uh, but before we get into the show, Wanna let you know that you can get a Rotoviz radio subscription with our listeners only 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoViz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and it also supports the pod. And you can contact us via email, rotoVizradio at gmail.com, and you can slide into those DMs at rotovizradio. Uh, Dan, I, I'm sure that you've done this before, but it's always a good feeling when someone's like, Hey, like can you get us like a discount code to Rotoviz? And I'm like, Yes, I can. Go to that RotoViz Radio <laughs> podcast homepage. Uh, those DMs is, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's all, those are always good. All right, let's get into today's show, and it is going to be the first offense we will talk about is the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they went from having uh, the hideous uh, Jeff Fisher to the amazing Sean McVay, uh, a lot more attractive weapons entering the 2018 season than a few years ago. So Scott, if you were to target one player from this Rams offense, who would it be from a dynasty perspective?
4: A Todd and we're also, Todd and we're Girly, also assuming, right? oh. <laughs>
2: just, and just to get all this out, uh, we're so we're assuming superflex and target one fade one. And Scott, you are targeting Todd Gurley. Tell us No
4: about that. <laughs> he's the one on one. You know, in most uh, most dynasty drafts, I was just just joking around. Uh, are we, did you say we're assuming superflex? Yes oof man that makes golf awful tempting i i don't i don't really know about the wide receivers so it's gotta be golf or girly for me running backs shorter careers and super flex i'm probably targeting golf i guess i, I get uh, somehow somehow out of that list i'm probably targeting golf i think he's probably one of the cheaper of it and i think that offense is gonna be pretty good for years to come
2: Yeah, and I think that for a guy who had like a breakout season, his ADP hasn't really skyrocketed because he did have an absolutely terrible rookie year, and then he absolutely reverses that by having a a great sophomore year. And yes, obviously he's more expensive than he was 12 months ago, but he's not really up there with the Watsons and the Carson Wentz or or the younger guys that had huge uh, 2017 seasons. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on golf?
3: Yeah, I mean, with McVeigh and with all of those weapons now, Gurley to kind of throw the defense off and not really know what they're going to do, I I think Goff is super attractive. We saw what he could do last year, and I think that maybe kind of, you know, we don't want to say it's his floor because he performed extremely well, but I feel like there's still more that they can do with him. Uh, There's still more they can do in the passing game. So we'll kind of see how they they continue to grow. Um, I'm guessing that they may... Regress back to the mean a little bit, but honestly, I don't think they, I don't think they're going to go backwards much. I think McVay's going to keep those wheels turning, and I think they're going to continue to innovate and continue to do really, really smart things on offense, which we saw a lot of last year. Um, but my target, and I'm actually really surprised that Scott didn't say this. Um, to quote the great Scott Fish, Uh-oh. my target in this uh, offense is actually. Uh, what we like to refer to as Jared Goff's binky, Robert Woods. <laughs> um, this is just kind of a, like an inside joke in one of our side chats. Uh, Scott has referred to Robert Woods as Jared Goff's binky. Um, I- because if you look at all of the target breakdowns, when Woods was healthy, that's where Goff went. That was his guy. Um, and... You know, they bring in Brandon Cooks. You still have Cooper Cup. Obviously, Todd Gurley's in a, in a dominant role, and he's going to get the majority of, obviously, the carries and a lot of targets as well. But Robert Woods and Jared Goff have that have that special connection. Um, obviously, we're going to get a whole offseason of Brandon Cooks working with Goff, too, so I'm sure that rapport will grow. But really, Robert Woods, at his price tag, he's really attractive to just go and get for cheap. And, I mean, those are starter points every week. You're looking at wide receiver three-ish production and he's being priced probably like wide receiver four or five so uh i'm all about that
4: i'll just go ahead because obviously i'm with you you know how much i love woods in a redraft sense and i know this isn't dynasty but there are some dynasty players that like to win now uh i have him as my top uh rams wide receiver and cup is my second and cooks the you know oh scott what are you doing
0: <laughs>
3: I think it's
4: honor. <laughs> hey, you know, you know what? I thought I was an isle- on an island until I saw Mike Clay's projections also say the same thing. And another and Rich Rebars, I believe, also say the same thing. And then I'm like, okay, now I don't feel as bad being on this island. Of it, All the film guys uh, kind of agree unless they change the way they set it up. Because God, the, like Greg Cosell was mentioning how Goff does not look to that side of the field. That's like his last possible read and, and barely looks over there. And that's why Watkins only saw 78 targets or whatever. I think Cooks is going to be right in line for that, you know, 75, 75, 80 targets or whatever. And be the wide receiver three on that team. He's going to have some big games, but I, I don't think it's going to be consistent. And uh, I like the other two.
3: Yeah, Watkins, sorry to cut you off, Nathan, you were about to say it, but uh, a lot of Watkins' targets, that was the hot read. That was the hot route, and and those plays were designed specifically for him because they knew he was going to be open, and they knew where to get it to him. I think, you know... I think Brandon Cooks is a better player, but I think they're gonna build in a similar role. Like Scott was saying, I think those targets kind of translate over. He'll get a little bump. He'll probably take some off the top. Maybe Gurley doesn't get as many targets. Maybe Cup, you know, sticks in that 85 range and Woods kind of sticks in that 95 range. Um, they're gonna be able to throw the ball more, and I think I think Cooks will get some, but I still don't think he's going to be the go-to man for goth.
4: I will say we got to remember Brandon Cooks is like 15 years. old. I, mean, I think he's like Nathan's age. He's
3: <laughs> younger
1: than Nathan. I think,
4: I think Cooks is 15 and Nathan's 16, so... There's a lot, which, of, which a lot is of why different. I
2: love my boy Brandon Cooks, and I think exactly. being the wire receiver three is blasphemy. Uh, but I, I will <laughs> <For> this year. <laughs> I, I will say my fade here is going to be Todd Gurley. Pretty much any time there's a running back being drafted in the top five of a startup or being valued as a top five startup asset, I'm going to try and flip that guy for a notable Beckham, a DeAndre Hopkins, a Mike Evans. Every single time I'm fading the guys are being priced that way. Even if you want to go lower to running back, if you want to go towards like a Leonard Fournette or Dalvin cook and maybe get something on top to tr- trade away Gurley. I'm definitely fading Gurley at his price. Um, and I would be targeting uh, cooks. What, what are your thoughts on uh, who to fade Scott?
4: It's gotta be Gurley, right? It, I mean, his price tag is the, if you have to fade one, his price tag is the, is the highest. I, I probably, the, the only re- the reason I love, Kirk, uh, you know, I am okay with cooks is because of the dynasty aspect in his age, but Gurley's price tags just, just way too high. And he's a running back. I mean, four years from now, he could be nothing. In fact, four years from now, it's likely he's not really anything dynasty value wise or fantasy value wise. Uh, just because he'll be, you know, uh, late twenties, he'll have been in the league. What? Seven years. That's that's yeah. <laughs> it's, it's He's probably the one I'm going to fade just because the price tag is the highest.
3: Yeah. I can't argue with, with like you said, Nathan, anytime somebody creeps into that top three, top five asset range, especially if it's a running back, uh, we we know how they kind of, not necessarily deteriorate, but their their big window is kind of a small frame. So we're, you know, if we look at that, maybe we think about the three year window, if you want to call it that, and maybe it's not worth that top price tag. When like you said, we could just get an Odell Beckham or even like an Antonio Brown or a Julio Jones. I think I'm still taking those guys ahead of Gurley. I think it's close. I think it's maybe a lateral move because of the age of the wide receiver versus the shorter window of the running back. But, yeah, I think Gurley is the easy fade here, even though it is tough to move someone after that kind of a season.
2: All right, let's move on to our next offense and is going to be the Detroit Lions of the NFC North. This is a team that has some weapons. They have some veterans in Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. They have some youngsters in on Johnson and County Galladay. And then there's the always – it kind of seems like underappreciated Matthew Stafford. Uh, Dan, you can start us off on this one. Who would be your target of this offense?
3: Um, my target is definitely going to be Marvin Jones. He's, he, he proved to kind of be everything that maybe we thought he was coming over from Cincinnati. We, we saw him perform decently well there uh, across from A.J. Green, and now he's got another counterpart who kind of eats up that shorter work with Golden Tate. Uh, but Marvin Jones works on the field really well. He, uh, he works really good with Matthew Stafford. We saw him explode a few games uh, a couple of years ago, and last year he just had a really solid season and he's 27 28 something like that so uh just kind of getting getting into his prime here and uh, his price tag is not very high it's creeping up it's correcting but he's still in that buy range for me he's you know he and golden tate are very similar i'm actually trying to buy both of them because of how that detroit lions offense looks they kind of are without a run game and they just kind of lean on matthew stafford to just whip it around 40 times a game uh and i'm I'm all on board with that. I, I think I think two of those wide receivers in that wide receiver core uh, are absolutely worth having, and uh, that's a little precursor to my fade. Ooh.
4: I think it's I think it's still got to be Galladay I can't I cannot go after a guy I don't care what the price is right now I don't care if it's a little bit inflated I I really love watching that guy play and you know if if we're four years down the line and we're talking about him as a top 24 wide receiver I I would not be shocked even in the slightest so he's probably he's probably my buy uh the 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 running backs you know what I will talk about that in my fade
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh for me, my my target will be Stafford because I think that there I is do, I
4: do like that call, Nathan. I really yeah. I thought
2: about for, that. for me the the buy is Stafford because there is a decent enough chance that Kenny Galladay does break out and then that's gonna eat into the targets of either Jones or Tate. So rather than risk who's gonna lose the targets to Galladay, I'll just take Stafford who's gonna benefit from having all three of them, you know, to throw to. So and he's the type of guy that isn't he's not valued as like a super long-term asset. Uh, in Superflex Dynasty, but he's a guy who's going to have his job for five, six, seven years, and t- pretty much until his shoulder falls off. So, uh, I think that he's a, a nice safe option, to, a guy that you can get as like a low end QB one and have some job security as well. So,
3: notoriously uh, undervalued, notoriously undervalued. Every year, it seems like he goes off the board four five six QB spots too late and it just amazes me because of the because of the fantasy output it, it's honestly incredible that that's my kind of other buy i'm i'm always buying matthew stafford it, it just doesn't seem like there's there's a price where it's too much other than if we're playing in a league with Izzy that's about it he's the only guy I think, that likes him more than me.
2: Now I, I think that Scott and I are going to agree on the fade so I'll let him go first and I'll just say I agree.
3: <laughs> All right my
4: my fade's going to be carry on johnson uh it, his price has risen uh, just kept on rising and the how many times do we have to go down this road with Detroit backs with Mikel ashore and Javid Best and and uh he,
3: Abdullah. Uh, Amir, Abdullah. <laughs> Amir
4: Abdullah, that I, ju- I just can't trust him in what they try to do with this offense with Stafford at the helm. Uh Stafford, you know, like to Nathan's point, Stafford's been like a top twelve quarterback basically basically every year of his career. And I think that's what's re- that's part of what's been hurting the running backs. Um but also Theo Riddick is still there and Theo Riddick still plays that role. He they're, he, they're he's not gonna come away from that role probably not for the next year or two or more. The carry on Johnson's price tag right now is way too high for me to want to invest in.
2: Yeah. Theo Riddick's going to get the passing down work in Detroit and Garrett Blunt, even though he's not necessarily efficient on the goal line for some reason, NFL teams keep giving him goal line carries. So if Blunt gets the goal line carries in Detroit and Riddick gets the passing game work, that doesn't leave much room for carry on Johnson to have any sort of fantasy upside. So he, he's my clear fade here. If you can, I mean, in one league where I, I picked him at 201 just to flip him for a 2019 first, if I can get a 2019 first for carry on Johnson, some might be saying, Oh, it's a lateral move. I'd take it for any first over carry on every, every day of the week.
3: Yeah. He's, he's my, my one B fade. Um, just looking at Detroit as a whole, they are so bad at running the football and even regardless of the talent, just the way that offense is built, they just do not understand how to do it. Uh, I was looking at some uh, pro football focus, um, you know, grades the other day and Detroit's running game was like 20 points lower than the next closest team, which is just atrocious. And again, I know that they don't have the backs there. It's been like theoretic catching passes. And then the ghost of a bunch of random players uh, getting, getting the carries, but even then, they just they can't seem to figure out a way to run it. Um, and my fade, unfortunately, I'm going to make Scott angry, um, is Kenny Galladay. And before you lose your mind... I'm not going to. I understand <laughs> it. I totally understand it. <laughs> um, the only reason he's my fade is I've been seeing his price get too high up to... It's not offsetting any risk. It's It's getting to the point where we're kind of assuming that he's going to be something. And while I like him, I was drafting him all over the place last year. I just don't see short-term where those points are coming. And I understand Dynasty is the long con. It's the long game. But it's going to be three years before we see meaningful targets. He could have one of those Juju Smith-Schuster years where he just randomly you know, does a ton with like 80 targets. That could happen, absolutely. But I'm not really ready to pay a first-round pick for that. And I've been seeing far too much of it. I, I just the the price is creeping up a bit for me. I still love the player. Have you been seeing first round next year for Galladay? I have I, been. I, I saw okay. first round this year's for Galladay. Once it gets to the late and then I've seen future nineteens as well.
4: All right. Let's move on
2: to let's move on to our next team and it's going to be the Carolina Panthers. Uh, this is a team that has a bunch of weapons. So they have some uh, you know heavy draft picks with Christian McCaffrey first round pick, Devin Punch's second round pick. And then they invested a first round pick in DJ Moore this year, so lots of weapons for Cam Newton, and that's why he's my buy. Uh, he's another quarterback that ends up being undervalued every year. People, especially more of like football Twitter, goes and oh, well, he's not a great thrower of the football, and he's a quarterback, so he's not that good. Like even if he's like an average thrower of the football, he's his running game. He's a goal line back. His impact in fantasy is, you know, top six, top seven every single year. And his, these, like I said, these are the best weapons he's ever had in his career. The, the team over the last three years has been like, all right, we're just going to dump as many early round picks into supporting Cam Newton as possible. So now that they've done that, he's in a posi- position to succeed, and that'll be great for fantasy. So I'm all in on Cam Newton, you know, taking him in, you know, the five to seven range of, of quarterbacks.
4: Yeah. If you want me to go next, I'm going to be in the boat you were last time pretty much is uh, there's – Everything on Carolina, I either don't like or the price is too high, except for Cam. <laughs> so, so he he's the he's the choice by default. Like DJ Moore's got this the, a price tag for an unknown that I that I don't love at this point. Uh, McCaffrey has like it seems like the people who have McCaffrey are the guys that invested highly in them in him, either via trade or draft pick last year, and it seems like that price tag is too high. So, and and you know how I feel about. Funches and then Greg Olson's. <laughs> you know, like you're not, Funch, you're not a big Funches,
3: you're not a big Funches guy.
4: <laughs> I, I will tell you this: uh, the Panthers were one of the teams that I watched a ton of last year, and I, I've watched uh, and I last summer I watched a ton of the Panthers from the year before. I've watched so much Funches. I. I came out of last summer thinking he was one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL that I watched, which is a flat out fact. Um, And I watched this year and he definitely improved. There's no question. He improved a lot of things. He's uh, I, I think he was better at catching. I think he was more physical in his routes. Uh, but I still don't like him. (laughs) (laughs) just because Nathan likes him. It it seems where he goes. I always like someone else more, I guess, is the fairness. I, I, I no longer hate him. I, I now think he has value. I now think he's draftable. Uh, and I now think, you know, he's even a flex worthy guy, but, uh, I, I'm just still not a huge fan.
2: Yeah, Scott. I, I remember, like, there were times last offseason where, like, you didn't like me as a human being because I would talk <laughs> n- nice things about coaches. I like, don't know what is true. wrong with you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, that's the problem when you watch watch so much of a uh, of a bunch of players last summer, and and just he stood out as so bad. It just. Uh, It's what happens. No big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Dan
2: is your target in this offense, of course. (laughs) I
3: I mean, I I can't, I can't stray from the consensus. It it can may not be the thrower of the football, but he is the runner of the fantasy points every year. That floor, it's just is built in. He's going to get those points. He's going to rush for six touchdowns, and he's going to have a few hundred yards. It's always going to be there, and those are huge for quarterbacks, especially in super flex leagues. You get so many points from rushing production. And then on top of it, he's getting all of those extra pieces around him. He's going to be able to have some more things to work with. We've we've seen this progression where he goes from literally nothing except for Greg Olson to now we kind of have an abundance. We have the fantastic receiving running back in Christian McCaffrey. We hope DJ Moore is going to kind of look like what he was in college. We hope Devin Funches continues to to kind of evolve and, and figure out how to play wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, you still have the, you know, the skeleton of Greg Olson, if you want to call it that. Um, and there's some other pieces around. Maybe Curtis Samuel gets healthy, and that's one other kind of gadget guy that they can throw in and, and you know, screw us some defenses. Um, there's just – there's a lot of pieces there where Cam can just kind of go crazy and have his pick of the litter, and then if no one's open – he just takes off.
2: Yeah, my my fade in this offense. You, you talked about the the body of Greg Olson or whatever your phrasing was there. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm out on Greg Olson in dynasty. If I can get any sort of second round rookie pick for him, I, I would sell. I mean, unless like he was literally my only viable tight end. But you know, for the most part, Greg Olson is a sell. Uh, we've talked about it on this podcast before. He has one foot in, in the football field, one foot in the broadcast booth. So I, I think that this is likely as last year. I know he has two years left on his deal, but. Uh, I think he, likely retires after the season, and, you know, any, any player that's like that is never necessarily a buy in uh, Dynasty. So, yeah, I'm out on Greg Olson, I think that, you know, even if he, you know, plays this year and doesn't get hurt, I think he's, a, like, a low-end tight in one. He doesn't get the target volume he did in years past because there are so many weapons around him, and it's not just, oh, it's just the Greg Olson show.
3: Yeah. Going and for him, it wasn't even, you know, last year he had the injury and everything. And even when he came back, maybe he wasn't a hundred percent, um, but he just wasn't really effective and it goes beyond 2017 though. It goes actually back to 2016. If you look at those splits after the bye week in 2016, Carolina just kind of ignored him. And maybe that was a cam thing. Maybe that was just game planning, but he was almost non-existent for the back half of 2016 season. And I don't know if maybe that was his demeanor, if that was just them kind of like, hey, Greg's not you know the same guy. or I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate on all of those things. But we saw a really quick fall off just then. Um, and again, maybe it was just he was injured or, or whatever. But ever since that point, he has not been the same producer that we originally saw. And, and we were able to get for pretty darn cheap in Dynasty and big time tight end points. So yeah, I think Greg Olson is definitely the easy fade here. Uh, aside from maybe dj Moore, because like scott said his price tag is kind of getting up there
4: oh i don't know if i have a comment on that i if you want me to go to my fate instead on carolina it's probably also greg olson uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it it's just uh, there's a lot of tight ends out there his price tag is you know it's probably reasonable, but there's so many win-now teams that it might not be. So uh, he's probably the one that I'm avoiding the most just because I don't think there's value after this season. All right, let's
2: do our last NFC team, and that'll be the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this is a team, another young emerging offense, Carson Wentz at quarterback. Um, and I'll actually start – we'll go a little backwards here, but I'm going to start with my fade just to you know grind it, uh, Scott, a little bit. Uh, my fade is Jay I think that even with his, uh, you know, he's not not as expensive as he was this past offseason, you know, when he was with the Dolphins. But I I don't see the Eagles heavily invested in him and in his future. I think they'll involve Corey Clement a lot in this offense uh, in 2018. And I think that the most, the the biggest advocates of Ajayi see him as a long-term workhorse back. And I think that the health risks, along with just a lack of long-term commitment, kind of show that that's not likely to happen.
3: Yeah, it's it's you know I've I've been relatively vocal about about Ajayi in the in the past. Um, you know, uber talented. Honestly, he really is. He was he was fun to watch in college when he's when he had those that crazy stretch in Miami. Uh, re- honestly, really fun to watch. But it's that health; he just can't consistently stay on the field as a best ball asset, uh, which we aren't technically talking about. But as a best ball asset, I think. I think his value is actually really good. I think getting six, maybe seven games of you know RB one scoring is is worth his current price tag. Um, but as far as just standard you know PPR scoring dynasty, I, I find a really hard, I find it really hard to to go after him actively. I think I think he's just kind of tough to have around because you're not consistently getting those points out of him, and you don't really know if he's actually going to be on the field every week.
4: I, I'm i actually going to surprise you here. Cause I think you guys are right. <laughs> I, um, I I've I'm, I'm a realist on this. I think that, you know, redraft wise he's got decent value because he's going to be a 15 touch a guy game guy, but I don't know how many years that's going to keep up. Uh, I, I can easily see them drafting another back within the next couple of years. Corey Clements, Corey Clement and Darren Sproles are going to, you know, dig in a little bit this year, but uh, the long-term future of Ajayi uh, and I believe he's now 25 years old. Um, the long-term future of Ajayi, I I think is probably not the best, you know, maybe, <laughs> n- maybe a year or two and you're paying, you're paying, you know, round what five or six in dynasty probably for him, for a, for a guy that you're going to have for, you know, a couple of years Uh and, with limited ceiling, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't love that at all.
2: Yeah, I feel like we've been agreeing a lot, and I think our next agreement yeah. is going to be across the board, or maybe not. We'll see. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is my target here. Uh, he's a guy that's going in the fourth, fifth round of dynasty startups. Where I think that his fall in dynasty is, has been very unnecessary. He had a very good season. Uh, You know, last season with the Eagles, they signed him to a long-term extension. He has Carson Wentz as a young quarterback. So, I I mean, I think the future is pretty bright for Alshon. Him and Aguilar are a nice one-two tandem at the wide receiver position. So, I think he's a guy that's going to be like uh, 1,100 yards, seven or eight touchdowns. You know, be good for that, you know, for the next few years. So, I'm all aboard having him as like a wide receiver three if I'm building, you know, a wide receiver heavy team. Uh, I think he's a very solid asset at his price.
3: Scott? uh (laughs) oh man if you want a second to think on it i can go yeah Uh, you go so i'm and we maybe you can maybe you can have a fresh take but i'm gonna also go with alshon jeffrey here and um like you said nathan he had a really good season last year especially if you just kind of cut out that whatever that nick Foles portion was because nick Foles isn't good I, i understand he won a super bowl but that was more the defense than anything jeffrey was good in the playoffs though he was, he was, and and maybe that was just Foles getting his feet back underneath him. But um, that that stretch with Carson Wentz, I mean, he was he was truly fantastic. Um, you know his his yards per target was was immense. It was like top three or four in the league if you set that that bar for targets at you know like the wide receiver one or the wide receiver two. I mean, he was he was up there with like your Mike Evans, with your Julio Jones, with all those guys. That's that's fantastic last year too. What's that? I think
4: I think he had nine touchdowns last year too.
3: Yeah, and the touchdowns are going to continue to be there, especially yeah, it's be a high-powered offense, right? And if Wentz keeps working on that down the field ball, which we saw him—I mean, from rookie season to sophomore season—we saw him progress so dramatically throwing the ball down the field, and that's where Elshon excels. That's where he's big time. We saw the yards per target dip a lot with Nick Foles, and that's just because they weren't expecting Nick Foles to be able to do that, but you saw Alshon fade away a little bit until the playoffs until maybe they kind of put more faith in Nick Foles. So with Wentz and with him continuing to get better, we're only going to see Alshon continue to put up those points because that's where he's getting stronger. And that's where Alshon wins. And with Nelson Aguilar underneath and Zach Ertz across the middle, and maybe you have Corey Clement or Darren Spurls taking, you know, looks away. Alshon's going to have a lot of one-on-ones on on the outside and he doesn't really lose 50-50s that much. Um, And he's, solid at just getting open anyways. So he doesn't have to even worry about the 50 fifties if he's just getting open.
4: You know what? I mean, everything you said is fair. Um, I think, I think, and I, I've been a guy who has been very back and forth on Alshon Jeffrey. Cause I liked him. I liked him coming out when people were hating on him when he, with the weight issues in North Carolina. And then I didn't like him with the, the injuries and the PEDs and whatnot. And now I kind of like him again. Um, I think he's I think he's a pretty – I think you're probably right. He's a pretty decent buy. Um, I th- I think he's the default answer here though, right? Like you're not buying Clement because his price tag is actually pretty high for a backup running back. We're already fading Ajayi. I mean, Wentz is a top five quarterback. I mean, who else? It, Ertz maybe? He's already a top three tight end. It's Hold got on, to be Alshon.
3: I have a direction for you to go. Okay, and it's not Ertz, but it's his heir apparent in Dallas Goddard. Uh, I think he is is going. He might have some Trey Burton type upside. And when they when when Zach Ertz maybe kind of goes off into the abyss after maybe a second Super Bowl ring or something, um, I, I think Dallas Goddard's is a really really good tight end, and and he's in a great place to excel. And we tight ends get hurt. We're going to see him this year. You know, we we don't expect Zach Ertz to play sixteen. Maybe he plays thirteen. Maybe he plays twelve. Whatever it happens to be, he's still going to be one of those top five tight ends. But we're going to get to see Dallas Goddard. So again, going back to previous players, as a best ball asset, Goddard is free at tight end. I mean, not free, but he's he's very inexpensive, especially in like a non-tight end premium format. But you're going to get games out of him, like we got games out of Trey Burton in that offense. They're going to use that position.
4: Mm-hmm. I, I can see that I can see that angle I can definitely see that angle and Ertz get hurt gets hurt he's immediately A huge huge value Are you, are you thinking Goddard's price Tag is suppressed a little bit at this
3: point Because of Ertz and yeah so I mean, that,
4: that makes him a value
3: definitely because he's Stuck behind him and everyone's like oh they have Zach Ertz Are yeah. not going to use him but yeah. again the tight ends Always get hurt that's the nature of the Beast so we're going to see Him and I think the first time we see him His value is going to skyrocket because I think He I think he's a very good player
2: well, tight ends do get hurt, but you know what doesn't hurt? <laughs> Playing at my FFPC. Let me tell you about our friends at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The fantasy draft season is heating up, and the FFPC has a format to suit interest and budget. Whether you like best ball or superflex, or classic managed leagues, there are drafts daily with, every, with entry fees starting at just $35. Jump into a slow or a live draft today. If you like Dynasty, the FFPC has almost 200 active Dynasty Leagues, with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $2,500. here's something incredible Not a single Dynasty League has folded in eight years. New Dynasty Leagues are, are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Don't miss the MyFFPC experience. Go to MyFFPC.com. That's MyFFPC.com, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. All
3: what right. an incredible segue! I'm impressed. Everyone, all of you listening, give Nathan a round of applause. What an incredible segue. All right. Well, let's segue into our AFC teams,
2: uh, and let's try and get these a little quickly because I know Scott has to, you know, take a nap.
4: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, That'd be nice, though.
2: All right. uh, Let's start with the uh, Super Bowl runner-up, and that's the New England Patriots. Uh, Obviously, as always, they have a bevy of uh, fantasy assets Uh, plenty of hot takes to go around on all of them. Uh, we will start with the buys Scott. Who's your buy in the Patriots offense?
4: I really should have prepped for this show. Like even an ounce that might've helped. Um, (laughs) 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 Oh man. Like I'm, I'm so tempted just to say Brady, because I feel like people are to the point where they're just, his price has gotten so low. (laughs) Like they just don't care about him, but I think no, you know what? I'm going to say Brady. I think he's got one or two years left. And if you're in a win now situation, you can buy him for so much cheaper than you can buy him for pretty damn cheap. But uh, honestly, this team, there's really nothing I want to buy at their value, honestly, because Gronk, he's still, still super, super high price tag that Brady's the only one that I think has a slightly depressed price tag at this point.
2: Yeah. And Brady, especially in superflex, I don't see him as a guy that gets moved a lot because obviously you're not going to want to sell a starting quarterback for less than a first, but I don't think you're going to get a first for a guy who only has one to two years left playing at the quarterback position. So I mean, is
4: Brady the kind of guy that goes for a first?
2: No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying he doesn't get moved because you don't want to trade him for less than a first.
4: You're not going to get a first. So that's Uh, true. That's probably true.
2: Yeah, uh, my buy in this offense is going to be the guy they signed in free agency. It's Jordan Matthews. We talked about going and buying him for a third-round pick, and I did that in one league um, uh, probably a month or two ago. But, uh, yeah, I think that he his price is still dirt cheap, and he has the upside of being, you know, like the wide receiver too in that offense behind Julian Edelman. So uh, he had the early career production, the early career, uh, you know, efficiency in the red zone. So Matthews, there's a lot to like about him. Yes, you know, there's the drop issues that he had, especially in Buffalo when he was hurt. But I think that he is a high upside, low risk pick in that Patriots offense.
3: Yeah, if healthy, that's that's honestly, like Scott, says. there's not really anybody I'm buying. But if healthy, Jordan Matthews would be the sole buy that that I would actually consider. Uh, well, maybe maybe a second player, uh, a kind of like an end of end of roster type in James white because he still is on that, that decent contract and he's getting a good share of targets. And without Julian Edelman, uh, right away in the season here, we could see James white have himself a little bit, a little bit of, uh, success. I think, I think he takes that role decently well. And and I think he, um, I think he's more than capable. I don't know about between the tackles, but as a receiver, he's, he's strong. I mean, he's a really good player. Um, and I think he's really the only guy that consistently gets those touches. You know, we saw Deion Lewis last year get a nice, get a nice, you know, a nice load, but he, he's he's he gone. Uh, obviously, they bring in Sonny Michelle, but we know what James White is. We know what Rex Burkhead is. We still don't know what Sonny Michelle is going to be. Obviously, we hope that he's going to be what he was at Georgia, but. James White's gonna have gonna have an effect on that offense.
2: All right, Scott. Who would be your? It sounds like it might be multiple people in this offense. But who would be your top fade, top sell in this offense?
4: Well, it's got to be Tom Brady, right? <laughs> Just <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, it's it's probably Edelman. He's still going. You know, a top. I don't know, top 36 wide receiver range, even with the suspension. I think he's got an okay year ahead of him, potentially points per game wise with the 12 that he's going to play, but he's 32 coming off an ACL. (laughs) And I I just, I just don't, I just don't love that. I I realize he might have a, a year left, but he's, he's not like where Brady, I think has a year or two left. And I can trust in his production. Edelman, I would not be shocked if this is the year he'd like Roddy White's it, you know? So uh, you, you can't, you can't really, you can't really pay me to take Edelman at his current price. I'll, I'll take him just not at his current price.
3: That seems fair. I think, I think my fade is literally everyone except for potentially Jordan Matthews and potentially James White, obviously both depending on price, but I have no interest in having any Patriot unless I already own Tom Brady because I'm not going to sell him because I'm not going to get his value. So deal with it.
2: Yeah. And my fade, as always, kind of like the top five running back discussion, I'm not going to ever really pay top five prices for a tight end, especially one that has back issues and has started with retirement over the last 24 months. So I'm, I'm going to fade Rob Gronkowski. And if I can get you know a third or fourth round wide receiver in exchange, a third or fourth round running back, that's a move I'm going to make every single day of the week. All right, let's move on to our next offense, and it's going to be the Oakland Raiders.
3: The Raiders.
2: The Oakland Raiders. I'm going to start us off with the bye. Uh, my buy is going to be Amari Cooper. He's kind of slid into that mid, late second round of startup range where, you know, this is one of the better wire zero prospects we've seen in recent years, especially with kind of a drought recently. Uh, and yes, he had a, a down year in 20, 2017. But I think a, a full bounce back is coming uh, with a bevy of targets in 2018. I don't trust Jordy Nelson to get enough targets to where it really hurts Amari Cooper. I think he'll get the same amount or less than Crabtree got. So, And then Cooper has some positive touchdown regression and just some positive, you know, he's going to play better uh, with Derek Carr hopefully playing better than he did in 2017.
3: Derek Carr would have to be good in order to get better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well,
4: man. I don't really love this, but I think it might be Derek Carr <laughs> just because that's how people feel about him. They hate him so much. And I think, I think he's a franchise quarterback and he's going to, he has such depressed value right now that uh, I will take that franchise quarterback at that value and hope he becomes better and hope they add players, you know, with Amari Cooper, give him more weapons. But the problem is, I don't trust John Gruden at all. So like, I don't want to buy anyone on this team, uh, especially for their current prices. But if you are forcing me, I guess maybe Derek Carr, cause he is going to be their starter and a super flex starter for years to come.
3: Yeah. Oakland. Um, Oakland was atrocious last year. They were just kind of all around really bad. And and you know, Derek Carr wasn't great. I, I don't I don't see him the same in the same light that you see him, Scott. I, I think he's fine. I think he's he's average, um, yeah. which gets you by. I mean, maybe that is a franchise quarterback now. I mean, we've seen Joe Flacco play for way too long, so there's that. Um I don't think he's that bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they were so bad last year, just all around the board. Running back was bad, wide receiver was bad. Um, I think the one bright light and he didn't also didn't play that great, but my buy here is, is Jared cook. Um, you know, he, he's basically free at this point and in just a wasteland of a position, you can, you can use Jared cook. He's startable weekly. You know, maybe, maybe he ends up as a high end tight end two or low end tight end one. I just, I don't. I don't see why you go and spend on one of these high-end guys when you can get someone like Jared cook, like I said, for basically nothing. So I think if anything's my buy, he's going to be my buy here.
2: All right. I'll continue on with my fade and it's going to be like, I, I kind of hinted at it earlier, but it's Jordy Nelson, uh, had the worst uh, yards per reception of his career at 9.1 last year, obviously the worst season of his career. Uh, and so I, I just, I think he's over the hill. I don't think that he's going to be reliable. You, you don't let, you don't cut him for Jimmy Graham if you think he's going to you know, be anything in the future. So that's what the Packers did. And the Raiders, who have been acquiring all the oldest talent in the world, had um, Jordy Nelson. So I think that the offense is going to funnel through uh, you know, Dan's target and Cook and, of course, Amari Cooper. So I, I think that those two are the, the targets here, and, and Nelson is the clear fade. What are, what are your thoughts on Nelson, Scott?
4: Nelson's got to be the fade, right? Like I, I – I think there is a, a like a large range of outcomes for Jordy Nelson, but I think the highest percentage shot is that Jordy Nelson is who what he was because of the chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. That was just the that was a huge thing, and if Derek Carr is as bad as Dan thinks he is, and John Gruden is as bad as I think he is, uh, and that running game is as bad as I think it's going to be, uh, I just am I. And if Amari Cooper is as good as you think and takes all those targets, I, Jordy Nelson could be pretty dang terrible too, worth zero next year. So he's got to be the fade.
3: Yeah, but it honestly that's because because he is still relatively, you know, relatively speaking, he's priced relatively high. So I I don't I don't love anything here. You know, Jared Cook because of his price, he's free, so I'm buying there. But the fades. It's again. It's it's a lot like New England. I'm kind of just fading everyone because, a, I don't love any of these guys. And I like Amari Cooper. Um, he's and he's his price is a little depressed now. But yeah, I think I think I'm just kind of fading Oakland. Maybe Doug Martin would be great. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> well,
4: D- Doug Martin does have a 1,400 yard season every other year, right? And he does. He's he does. Due, due for hamster. one this year, right? So.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that's happening. But let's go to the Houston Texans, uh, another young emerging offense. I feel like I stuck all the young offenses in, in this uh, in this episode. Uh, so I'll, I'll start us off with my buy, and that's going to be Deshaun Watson. Uh, I, I think that this is just a case of yes, some people could consider him overvalued because he's being drafted as top five quarterback. But for me, in Superflex, I'm all about buying guys that I see as you know very long-term starters. I see Watson as a guy could have a job for eight to 10 years. And that's just so invaluable in super flexible. If if you've ever lost a starter attitude, injury, retirement, whatever it may be, filling that hole is so dang hard that you have to value the longevity. (laughs) That's what she said.
3: (laughs) I I knew you were going to say that. Jesus.
2: So, (laughs) yeah, just, yes, he's expensive, but I think that the fact that he's going to be a long-term fantasy starter makes him worth that price.
3: Yeah, dig me some Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm, I think everything here, uh, as far as like the big names, you know, Deshaun Watson, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, even someone like Will Fuller. I, I think, I think they're probably priced at, or at least very near their ceiling. Uh, and I'm a big DeAndre Hopkins guy, but I think my buy because of the price tag is Lamar Miller. We're looking at high end RB two, fantasy output. I'm not afraid of um, Dante Foreman. You know, look at guys that come back from Achilles, and that list is very, very small for those that are successful. And he's just like everyone's like, "Yep, we're done with him. Just throw him in the garbage." Uh, I don't see that at all. I think, I think he's going to have another strong season. You know, maybe he is a plotter. Maybe he's not very efficient. He's still going to get the ball. And he's still going to put up decent fantasy points because of the number of touches he gets. He gets a decent number of targets. He gets a decent number of carries. So I just I think because of his price tag, it's really hard to look past him. And, and especially if you're contending, he's he's an easy add, really, in a growing offense and a team that should be again leaps and bounds better, assuming Deshaun Watson stays healthy. That's only going to help Lamar Miller and, and his fantasy output. So I think I think that's the easy buy for me here.
4: Yeah, uh the buy for me here is probably going to be a little surprising considering his price tag. It's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm right with uh right with Nathan on the Deshaun Watson thing. I think I think when you buy a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, even though you're paying premium this year, I don't think you're going to regret it 5, 6 years from now when he's, you know, a top 10 wide receiver for all of those years. Like whatever price tag he garners right now, it's gonna feel like a hit now, but you, you're you're gonna feel in the future like it was worth it. I've I've made those moves a, a few times, and I've I've almost never regretted them for those those top guys that just stay up there. And I think Hopkins is gonna be that. I mean, Hopkins, what he's 25, 20, 26 now, twenty six. Uh, I think he's got you know a good four, five, six years of like top twelve wide receiver production. I'm, I'm, I'm still buying him at, at his price.
2: Yeah, and my, my fade in this offense is going to be uh, Dan mentioned the injury. It's Deontay Foreman. Uh, there's very limited success coming back from an Achilles injury. But not only that, there's no reaction to the fact that he tore his Achilles. He's being drafted in the seventh, eighth round of startups, which I think is absolutely bananas. As a guy like, and you in the fourth round of the NFL draft. If this guy was a first round pick, okay, I understand. Okay, let's not give up on a guy after one injury. But it's not like he was a great prospect. He was just an okay guy that was see- seen as okay. This guy's going to be an RB two in an NFL offense. So I think people are people's hate for Lamar Miller is seeping into Deontay Foreman's price. Where like they just assume Miller's bad, so that means Foreman's good. No, Miller can be just okay, and that's never going to mean Foreman's
3: good. People wanted wanted uh, Foreman to be Ricky Williams so badly. They wanted it so badly. And it's just not going to happen. I I think that's the easy sell here. I don't want to. I don't want to drag it out. I I just the the Achilles, the draft capital. I I mean, it just it's it's an easy pass.
4: It's a it's. Can I just fade both running backs because I I dislike them both so much.
3: You can do whatever (laughs) you want, Scott.
4: Uh, you already mentioned the Achilles injury, and and I mean there there's room for a, a a running back to be very good in this offense with Deshaun Watson and with that offense opening things up for him. And I can't wait to find out who the Texans draft next year that that's going to be. Um, so... J- <laughs> Harris. Uh Jamie Harris. <laughs> uh, David, Wa- David, <laughs> David Montgomery. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's just both running backs. Like, if their price tag was... Let's say Lamar Miller's price tag was a third rounder, I still don't think I would take it. How oh, terrible
3: man. is that? That's
2: a, that's oh, a bit aggressive. Oh
4: <laughs> like I, I think there's like I think there's an outside shot. Alfred Blue takes half his care. Oh, like oh my God! Lamar Miller's
3: so <laughs> all right. Nathan, end the call. We got to get him on here. <laughs> I don't care how much money he gives to to charity. Get, get this guy out of here. All
4: right, let's, so let's end the show. Any of their running backs.
2: Let's end the show with this. Is the team Scott? I know you're an avid listener. We talk about the Browns every single episode of the nice straight Gas. <laughs> One way or another, it has to happen. So this is the episode where we talk about the Browns once again. Um, there are so many guys I would want to buy in this offense. So I'll start with my cell just to make things more interesting. Uh, my cell. my
4: dare f- say Corey Colvin. No,
2: absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my cell is going to be Josh Gordon. Uh, he, we, we fall for this every single year. And even if he doesn't get popped for a drug test or suspended for a season, even if that never happens again, his price right now is assuming that he's going to return to 2013 Josh Gordon. That was five years ago. Like, do people not understand that four years away from football is not a good thing? I, I think – and you add in Jarvis Landry's target hog. You add in maybe the possibility of breakouts from Njoku and Corey Coleman. There are so many ways for Josh Gordon not to live up to his price, and none of them have anything to do with the drug test.
3: Yeah, that's uh, honestly it's the easy one. Uh, Like you said, Nathan, the last time he was relevant, you were still in preschool. I mean, it's (laughs) honestly it's it's ridiculous that he's being propped up. I get it; he was absolutely awesome to watch. He was so good. He maybe he is still so good, but there's so much risk built in that that his price is not reflecting that. There's so much there. Like you said, there's so many guys that can take targets away from him. It's 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 crazy. It's really crazy for me. Um, I'll go to my buy because, because I think I agree with the fade there. Um, my buy is Jarvis Landry. Like it would be the buy if he went to any other team because people just love to hate Jarvis Landry. They love to hate him. Um, I don't think we're going to see Miami Dolphins Jarvis Landry because Adam Gase is atrocious and probably shouldn't have a job. Um, I I think we see somebody that that is an actual wide receiver and gets to run real routes and gets to play the actual position rather than being a glorified running back because your offense is atrocious. Um, I I think we see a big year out of Jarvis Landry, actually, whether it's Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield throwing him the ball. Uh, I think he's a very good route runner. He's a very good catcher. And he's, you know, everyone wants to say that he's like slow or unathletic. He's we watch him break away from people every game. We watch him run you know perfect routes and explode out of them. I, I just I don't get the hate. It's just his usage was crap. And that's Miami's fault. I'm not blaming that on Jarvis. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'll eat those words, but I see a big year from Jarvis Landry and an efficient year.
4: Man, it's it's weird to hear you say something like uh his his usage was was bad when he was used uh, in such a way that landed him a ton of catches and yards and touchdowns.
3: Well, no, is, it's like, bad it, in a football sense that they they, they they didn't use him.
4: Can, a, can, can I ask you this? What are the chances they used him the best they could? Like that's his talent and skill level that we don't
3: realize. You set the line and I will bet every dollar I have. <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, man. Yeah, I... I he did what they asked of him. that's true right um yep. i think I think that you guys are fair on josh gordon i I'm still like I still have this hopefulness there like and I think that this might be finally the year that he could you know come back. I'm not saying like top twenty four or whatever that he's going in, but i think I think i a hundred percent agree with you because of his price tag. I'm not buying right, but I'm also probably not selling. <laughs> <laughs> just cause just because I, I, I want to hold on and see what's there. And if he does anything, his price rocket will it, it will just cement and you can actually get better, I think. Um but he's he's the one I'm not buying. You're you're absolutely right. The one I would be buying, I suppose, would be God, I hate this question. <laughs> cause I'm not buying I'm not <sighs>
2: I hate are you, this, are you are you the one person in the industry not buying all the Browns?
4: <laughs> all of them. God, well, you go and buy all of them. That's the problem. All their prices are so high. Like, I, I mean, if it if it was redraft, I'd say yeah, maybe Tyrod Taylor. He's a late round dart throw that's probably going to start most of the games. But in dynasty, I guess it's got to be Landry. Like, I'm not a Coleman fan. No, you know what? It's probably Nijoku. I think Njoku is probably the guy that I would be buying out of that. I think his price is is probably in that bottom half of the top twelve in Dynasty right now. And I think he has every every chance to be, you know, a top twelve tight end for ten years. So I, I think I think it'll be Njoku. It's
3: a good take. Yeah, Hashtag good
4: take.
2: Like we've talked about I like all the Browns pretty much, but I, I think that the one the bet the sneakiest and the best buy right now is Tyrod Taylor in Dynasty. And that's for the reason <laughs> That's for the reason that I don't think this is his last NFL job. The bottom tier, the, you know, like the 25 to 32 ranked quarterbacks in the NFL are so bad year in and year out that Tyrod Taylor should always have a starting job. Yes. This is his, it's going to be his last year starting in Cleveland. If it even, you know, goes a full year, which it won't, but I I think he gets a starting job somewhere else next year. And I think he's talented enough to where he's going to be, you know, a mid QB two in fantasy at worst. So he's got the rushing upside. And so basically, a lot of the dynasty market is valuing Tyrod Taylor as, as if this is his last starting job. I got him for free from Dan and Capitalist Pigs. I was happy with that. But yeah, so buy Tyrod Taylor on the hopes that this isn't his last job. And I think that there could be some nice upside there.
3: Okay. I don't remember that trade, but I know I won it. <laughs> it,
2: it here, here's the trade, everybody. It was Mariota for Duke, Alshon, and Tyrod.
3: Oh, easy win. Easy W. I have so much depth in that league. I could have given you two more players.
2: <laughs> All righty. Uh, let's wrap up the show. Obviously, this is Scott Fishbowl Week, so we thank you so much for coming on, Scott. I yeah, like you, t- you tweeted out the number of famous characters. Is it like 28,000 right now?
4: Yeah, in fact, there's a SFB Potathon going on right now. The Falafel House is doing 24 hours straight. Those three boys are going to be up for 24 straight hours having guests on, and they've already raised over 2,000. So we are over 30,000. Oh, oh yes, yeah, yes.
2: That, that's so awesome, Scott. Yeah, uh, everything you do for the community and all the community for supporting this awesome endeavor and of course just the awesomeness of scott fishbowl
4: how much did you hate having to say that <laughs> i'm just kidding you didn't have to say that <laughs> yeah
2: no it, it was it, it's always a lot of fun um and everyone has a lot of fun in it so dan any last words for tonight
3: no just i like what nathan said thank you man i mean we you i know you don't like to take every ounce of credit for it and i know it's It can be tough sometimes, but the community—you do so much. You really do do so much, and and we love you for it. We appreciate every last bit of it. Um, (laughs) I still got to get this this title belt down so you can see it, so you can hold it, man. It's it's glorious. (laughs) I got my I got my title reference in there too, as I was thanking Scott for being like the greatest person on the planet.
4: (laughs) I do have to see that belt. I have not seen it yet. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks guys. I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm trying to be better at accepting compliments. It's, it's not something I'm very good at, but thanks. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun tournament. I'm glad that people like it. I'm glad that people, you know, support the charity and the message gets out there to uh, just, you know, if you're in a league, take one of your entry fees, put it towards charity. Your whole league can get behind it. You have the winner pick the charity, whatever. Uh, we can make a big difference out there.
2: That is for sure. All right, that'll do it for today's show. I forgot to mention it at the top. Eric wasn't here because he's frolicking somewhere in Rome on his anniversary. So uh, uh, we, we miss you, Eric. Um, I think he'll be back in a couple weeks. So uh, until then, it'll be me, Dan, and whatever guest we ask 20, 20 minutes before the show starts. Right, Dan?
3: That's absolutely accurate without any prep. <laughs> there we go. That's
2: the cast way. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.